Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by JP Mason and Declan McConville. First of all Declan, welcome back to the Axon Bulletin, it's a pleasure to see you both. Good afternoon Paul. Now this is the first time the, the three of us have even spoken, this is the first time us three has, have ever spoken since Celtic have lost a title. I, I remember waking up on Monday to come into my work and thinking, this is the first time I've gone to my work in a decade not being the champions. And it's the first time us three have ever even spoken while Celtic are not the champions. Declan, I think uh, some people look at you and say, well, you're of a younger generation. What age are you now, 20? 21. 21. Uh, well, you know, you don't know what it's like not to have a successful Celtic side. How are you How are you managing um, the fact that, that uh, we're not the champions at the moment? Um, in a way, I kind of feel a wee bit lucky that when my dad started first taking me to the games, Rangers had a wee spell of success and 
they won three in a row under Walter Smith. So there was days at Celtic Park when I watched Celtic be beaten at Rangers. I've been at Ibrox and watched the Rangers win games against Celtic. And I've watched Celtic not win the league. Um, I was mascot in the day when Hearts beat us in a semi-final in the Scottish Cup. So I've tasted um, the, the lows of Celtic. But to put it into context for me... Um, the last time Rangers won the league, I was in primary six. Uh, I went through the whole of my high school years watching Celtic win the league every single year. The last two years of high school, Celtic won two trebles. The first two years of university, Celtic won two trebles. And, you know, half a university, Celtic have won the league. So a full high school and half a unis, not too bad, is it? Now, JP, can you imagine school days like that? Because I can't. I, I can't either. I'll, I'll contrast that definitely <laughs> with... Uh, uh, primary five onwards, Rangers won the league. So primary five and the whole of high school, Rangers won the league. Um, my first taste was obviously stopping the 10 uh, in 98. And uh, yeah, I'm, those scars, by the way, that, that are, were inflicted in the 90s, they're still there. And that's what sort of gets me by this week, knowing that despite all the hullabaloo and everything else and the horrendous celebrations uh, those scars will run deep at the other side of the city as well and that that um, that gets me to sleep at night they will they will run deep because I mean that level of domination and we keep hearing it you know unprecedented we're never going to see it again um, I'm not so sure I'm not so sure when it comes to uh, Celtic and Scottish football. Uh, I think that this was the um, monumental unravelling of the perfect storm. I think that there had been errors made for a number of seasons that all finally came home to roost. I don't think Celtic are going to allow this to happen again. And I'm not being bullish because everything that's happened in the last few weeks, but we had a wee chat before we came online and I said it's incredible how uh, galvanising an effect has when people start targeting Celtic from outside of the club. And you see um, Rangers, there's no point calling them anything else, you see Rangers um, running riot. And I don't mean in terms of on the sporting side of things, running riot, running through the streets of Glasgow, um, creating carnage. I think we all knew that was going to happen. And then Celtic being dragged into that. You know, uh, on a political level, being dragged into that. Um, we said yesterday, don't drag Celtic into this. Do, you know, don't hark back to something that happened outside the ground after the Ross County win and say that this is part of uh, any reason that you might have to postpone a Glasgow derby in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I feel really strong about that because I just think, you know, we have been very, we've been ultra critical of Celtic this season. And I think justifiably so, you're, you're nodding your head there, Dick. I think justifiably so this season. And I think it's sometimes, often, Times takes the fans to to highlight or shine a light on the deficiencies. So you know, I've got absolutely no regrets uh, on the tack that was taken throughout the season. Um, but then you look at the the way that Rangers are being treated, you know, by the authorities, uh, by government, um, and you think, well, you know, is this getting to that stage where it's no longer a um, an equal uh, and fair? Um, kind of level in terms of where Celtic are and the standards that we're held by against against Rangers. Are we getting back to that situation, Declan? Is it something that we really need to, as a club and as a fan base, stand up to it and nip in the bud? I hope we're not going back to that kind of situation. I mean, the, the other night, I think there was a bit of a split in the Celtic support in terms of the, the tweet that went out because some people were saying, it's too late for that. You've left it until the league's done to be calling anything out. Um there's been previous situations I think this season when Celtic has been held to too high a standard uh, and you know 
maybe the same punishment didn't come for the other club on the other side of the city. But but a lot of people are thinking of the, of the camp that it was too late to start calling things out. But I think, as you say, Paul, initially, we're the guys that pay season tickets for the guy that goes and watch our teams. It's all right for us to criticise it because inevitably we're the people that need to go through the, the pain and the suffering. But I'm not even a guy from, from Talk Sport or whatever. Mr Durham is just now call it out because his opinion in Celtic means absolutely nothing to me so no, you're I don't right. really care what he's got to say No you're right and I wasn't even going to name him Declan because I just think he's a shock jock we could all do that we could all do that we could all use the clickbait mentality on the headline of every single podcast to, to drag in uh, more discussion or uh, you know vehement kind of uh, opinions JP and we try to be as balanced as possible and, and I'm sitting here thinking very much like Charlie Nicholas I'm sitting here thinking you know uh, we've had a couple of changes that we were calling for um, and I would say that obviously the, the decision for Peter Lowell to retire JP at the end of the season being replaced by Dominic Mackay was something that as a fan base I think um, I'm not going to ever say universally because you don't speak for the entire fan base but I think from the feedback we were getting a lot of Celtic fans wanted that to happen a lot of Celtic fans wanted Neil Lennon uh, to be removed from office a lot sooner than he was and Celtic fans were also especially you know platforms like a Celtic State of Mind very critical of the engagement between fan base and club and I think in the last couple of weeks we've seen certainly um some positives there because we were invited to a conference, something that we've never been invited to in the three and a half to four years that Axom has existed. So I've got to look at that as a positive. I can't come on and still criticise the club in that respect uh, because I think that these are the, the positive moves that we were asking for. Uh, but they're not beyond criticism. And I think, you know, it's interesting, Declan, that you say the tweet came out um, and I think JP said in his Twitter page, I knew I'd get that password eventually. I don't know if you're going to share it with us, JP. But um, for me, you know, the, the world of Twitter can be used in that in that way. It can be used with a tongue-in-cheek aspect of it. Now, some people try and, you know, skim around the, the kind of edges of the subject of Rangers, new club, old club. You know, some people go on about, um, let's not call them Rangers, let's call them Safeco. And, you know, get really hung up on that. And then, of course, the terminology of the Glasgow derby um, and the use of such terminology and the fact that Celtic uh, co-own the trademark of the term old firm and the old firm and have done since back in a time, JP, where Celtic as a club and Rangers were both looking um, as a business alliance towards moving out with the Scottish game and moving into England. And it was at that time that they trademarked that term, the old firm. Um, now, I don't think... There's no argument around the new club, old club debate, and it's not something we're going to have today. There is no argument. Um, and, you know, if they want to print 55 on merchandise and all the rest of it, you know, more, more fool them. Uh, because we're looking at a situation where we don't even know the losses in the accounts but um, if you accumulate 2012 to date you're probably looking at 100 million quid so you know I know that Celtic are going into next season a lot stronger than that so in that respect JP I try and you know kill the noise and, and concentrate on what Celtic are doing to put this right because as I say it's unravelled spectacularly um, and you know the defeat the fact that we've lost the league of course it hurts um, does it galvanise you that you've been through it before do you think JP? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think, you know, as much as I didn't enjoy last weekend, of course I didn't. Uh, I, I've said it a few times on the show that, that, that there's bigger things going on in the world right now that, that, that if I was to get all downbeat and really 
upset and angry about this, then I would have to question more on moral fibre. Um, but with regards to uh, as you know, the, the, the Twitter post specifically, uh, I, I don't think that it was too little too late. I think it was a direct response to the way that football fans in Glasgow are being portrayed, you know, and that 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 made news all over the place, you know, mm. those scenes, you know, one, breaking a lockdown, two, destroying property, mm-hmm. and whether or not they've, you know, raised money for it to repair it or not, I mean, that, that to me doesn't suddenly make everything better. It's, it's, it's a bizarre, a bizarre sort of uh, retort to go, oh, well, we, we paid for it, and it's like, what sort of... And they also claim to have cleaned it up as well. It's just that, that for me, again, is just what's been re- refuted by Glasgow City Council, which, again, makes you wonder if it actually happened. Of course it didn't. Um, but with regards to uh, dragging out us into it, the one thing I would say about that is, with regards to the trademark as well, I believe that you know if something has been trademarked in the past, then just because one part of it has relinquished its uh, uh, con- contribution to that uh, title, then still it still remains a trademark. So if you're going to renew it, then it's renewed for past, you know, uh, info, past media, past DVDs, all the rest of it. So I, I don't think that's a, it makes it suddenly go. Oh well, actually, we are we are admitting that we are part of this current old firm. Um, but one thing also I want to say is I saw a statement and I can't remember who it was from um, that said that. We were planning to go, people were planning to or encouraging people to go to Celtic Park on the 21st if it should go ahead. Mm. <laughs> the title of this show obviously indicates there's a doubt. Um, I, I can't express, I, you know, yeah, uh, do not go. <laughs> Just do not go. Stay at home. Do not go. It is an absolute recipe for disaster. And it will just, as an article in the Celtic blog said the other day, I think it was James Forrest not that James Forrest, uh, said in the Celtic blog, do not follow them into the gutter. And that's that's the take home from that article. The big thing, again, is you know even a, a very small minority, JP, can do a lot of damage for the reputation of the club and the fan base. Um, on, the, on the terminology of old firm, I, I think there was a very good point, so I'm sorry for not crediting whoever made the point the other day on one of our streams, uh, saying that whilst we have trademark of it, whilst we have ownership of it, you can you can basically make sure it doesn't get used. And that's mm. what the club want. We don't want to use it. I, go back to 2013, uh, when the club published my book, um, and all references to the old firm were removed and replaced by the Glasgow Derby. So the editorial even back then was quite clear that we're not using that. We don't, we stand alone. Um, you know, one club since 1888, it's pretty clear. So personally, Declan says it a divided opinion. I was on the side of opinion where I thought, ah, good on you. Good on you for tweeting that out. More tweets like that. I don't know who was responsible <laughs> for it. It really did look like a hack. Really like a hack. There's no way nobody that looked at that didn't check the source to see that it wasn't a fake Celtic <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know this, uh, somebody also said, and you pick up a lot of great humour, don't you? And self-deprecating humour uh, amongst the Celtic fan base where, whereby somebody says, um, it really just shows you, uh, you know, the depths that we've kind of fallen to when the highlight of our season is a tweet, you know, from the club. But hey, it was good while it lasted. Uh, but as I say, whoever's got control of that, that Twitter account, keep them coming. I think um, they, they were criticised, Declan, going back to your previous point. The club were criticised for saying, you know, uh, too little, too late. You know, you could have been standing up for various other um, 
things that are close to the fans' hearts, many fans' hearts when you're talking about, um, you know, the Resolution 12 guys and that campaign and the fact that, you know, it was more or less just booted down the road every single time it was brought up at an AGM to the point where it's no longer going to be considered. So I, I do get both sides of that. But I do think that a completely different approach um, is being adopted uh, by the club in you know advance of the new CEO coming in and long may that side of things continue because I felt that it was very uh, positive to uh, speak to John Kennedy and David Turnbull from a Celtic State of Minds perspective and pose some questions and you just imagine if we were able to do that uh, throughout the season the types of questions that we could have posed to the management team uh, I don't know if the timing of that had anything to do with Neil Lennon's departure. I also don't know if Neil Lennon would have been up for it. Um, but I'm pretty sure there would have been quite tasty press conferences, JP, uh, throughout this season. Um, however, on the subject of Lenny, I'm allowed to call him Lenny, I think, although he's not my pal anymore, um, apparently. He is now 5-1 to one to take over at Aberdeen. Did that surprise you, Dick? Is that just the usual kind of like throw the names into, into a hat? Any old name um, is going to be linked to just about every manager's job? It did surprise me a bit, Paul. I thought maybe at this point in time he'd maybe take a bit of time out of the game. I don't know if that job would maybe appeal to him again. It's a bit similar to the situation at Hibs. Um, you know, it's a big club, Aberdeen. Uh, they've not really hit the heights that they have done so in the past. Derek McInnes up there, you know, he brought home a League Cup, first trophy and God knows how long. Could cut a second place finishes, but I think it had ran its time. Whether Neil Lennon gets a job at Petodre, I don't think he will. I imagine he'll maybe go for, I think there's a guy Glass at getting the bookies favourite that's at Atalanta United and there's a link there between the, the ownership at, at Petodre, but I think it's just a case of throwing a name into the ring that's, that's quite well known and obviously high profile that's just recently uh, lost her job. Yeah, and, and I, I think Natasha mentioned that the other day, Declan, in relation to Enzo Maresca. You know, his name, he was one of the favourites for the Aberdeen job. You see there as well, they're a big club. And yeah, they are. I mean, I, I often think about this, looking at league table just now. At the beginning of the season, I did say I, I thought that uh, Hibs would finish second. Do you remember that? I mean, everything you say is recorded, so people can go back and criticise me for saying it. I did say that. Um, I didn't quite think they were going to be chasing us for second spot, to be fair. But uh, they're going to be finishing third for the first time since 2005. So the last time that Hibs finished third in the table, JP, was under Tony Mowbray where he had that clutch of talent, which actually included uh, Scott Brown, as it happens. Um, So you're looking at the other clubs, uh, you know, Hibs and Dundee United. I grew up with Dundee United being one of those clubs, JP, that you would think were one of the the big clubs in Scotland, Aberdeen. And I think you've got to throw in Hearts as well. I think Hearts, with the fan base that they have, I know they're obviously in the Championship this season. But the, these are the clutch of big Scottish clubs. What I would like to, to ask you, JP, is Declan says Aberdeen are a big club. When you look at the situation, the financial situation at Celtic, there was a point during the season there where the Aberdeen owners admitted that they were burning something like a million quid a month. So for any incoming man, I thought it was a bold move. Uh, to, you know, with, with regards to McInnes, I thought it was a bold move because there's a club there who doesn't, it doesn't have the same kind of financial clout as Celtic. Uh, going into next season, potentially uh, with a brand new setup coming in, who want you know a manager. A ma- this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment and think about the things you love. It could be stuff like vintage vinyl, stylish sunglasses, or your exotic fish collection. Whatever your passion is, the new Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery gives you a chance to multiply your cash by 5, 10, 25, or even 100 times and enjoy a lot more of the stuff that makes you, you. Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery. If you love it, multiply it. Please play responsibly. Managerial team who want to assess the squad, bring in new names, etc. And it may be particularly difficult for Aberdeen um, under the, the current financial climate. I mean, I, I thought it was a really bold move and one they might actually rue, actually. They might they might come to, to regret that. Well, it's like a scaled down version of what's, what's the position Celtic are in, isn't it? You know, like they're, they've, you know, released a guy that's that's been a big part of their uh, world lives for the last. It's eight years he was there. Yeah, yeah. I saw the video that Aberdeen posted, but it was like, you know, thanks for the memories, Derek. And, uh, and seeing him when he started and seeing what he looks like then made me feel <laughs> really, really old. Because <laughs> I was just like, wow. that He still looks like he was a player when he started as a manager of, of, of Aberdeen. But with regards to the finances, yeah, I'd be really concerned if I was an Aberdeen fan about that, you know, a potential rebuild there as well. Because... You know they've got some players on loan. I think as well, like Canberry's only on loan, and mm. Hornby, and maybe a couple of others as well. So they've got that sort of start from scratch. And yeah, if a manager comes in, he's going to want money to spend. And if they've been burning that sort of money a month, yeah. where's that money going to come from? Do you know? It's I think a lot. A lot of clubs are going to really need to cut a cloth this this summer. And you know, if we're not back in stadiums by August, then even more so. Mm. You know, when we're looking at Aberdeen and the, the players that you mentioned there, JP, I remember if I'm going to give myself a dig for uh, saying that Hibs were going to finish second, I'm going to have to take credit for saying that Hibs certainly came out of the transfer market, uh, the transfer window rather, stronger than Aberdeen because people disagreed with me when I said that back in January. But I did feel that even though, you know, the Canberry, I think Canberry is a useful player, JP, but um, quite ineffective on a consistent level, if you know mm. what I mean. You, you know that he's capable, but not always does he turn up. And um, I think that's been proven since since January. I mean, the run that Aberdeen have been on has been really poor, whereas Hibs, even though they've had a couple of um, poor results uh, of recent times, I just think that with the managerial team they've got, they're solid, they're pretty solid. But again, I'll go back to what I said last week. There may well be this Scottish football managerial merry-go-round prompted by you know that change at Aberdeen, or they might even go for someone like Owen Coyle, who has been in the news over the last uh, day or so talking about the fact, confirming everything that we already knew in relation to the fact that Neil Lennon didn't choose his coaching staff. I mean, in terms of the managerial situation, Declan, we're in a scenario now where obviously John Kennedy's taken over he was part of the problem. Uh, I think we've said that all season because he was there and, you know, he was influential. He was behind the scenes. Uh, but he's taken the reins and, you know, I'm pretty sure that he'll be in charge for the rest of the campaign. Does it worry you when someone like Scott Allen comes out and says, you know, the players will be back in Kennedy for the post permanently? 
I think it's just a kind of natural thing to come at. A lot of the guys in there, your Scott Browns and James Forrest, have obviously worked with John for a long time. They're under Ronnie Dyler, through Brendan, through Neil, and now in the, the position he's still. But I, I think if you go back to that initial situation, to to put John Kennedy beside Neil Lennon, to me, was always going to be a storm for disaster. You could see that there was no relationship there, really. Yes, it worked for a, a campaign eh, to win nine in a row, but I think there was always going to be an issue there. It was two guys that I don't think worked too close to each other, which you, is obviously apparent that when one person goes, the other one's still there. Um, I, I don't doubt that John Kennedy's probably a good coach on his own. He's not made it yet as a manager. Um, I know obviously that was something that we, we tried with Neil Lennon first time around and it did eventually work. If you look at Juventus the other night, again, paying dividends to a club legend in Pirlo and it's not worked out as of yet for, for Juve so you know this loyalty that we've got maybe is something that we really need to look at and think to ourselves is this always the best option should we not be appointing the best candidate never mind the guy that's already internally in the building because as you say Paul John Kennedy was out in that training park at Lennox Town daily when he Lennon watching the players watching the training methods watching what they were being put through he is part of the problem so if a new manager's coming in, a new setup's coming in, if, if Celtic want to offer that manager, John Kennedy, and the manager wants to take that on, by all means. But the, the situation we were in with Neil Lennon, where it was apparent that, that John was put with Neil, should not be the case going forward. It's not yeah. a good idea. It's always going to bring problems. It's been, you know, we've heard that they both disagreed with each other and different things. It's a recipe for disaster, and that disaster has inevitably been this season. Yeah, I can see the point, Declan, I can see the point of having a, a, a face who um, can assess the squad, can assist you in that respect, and I'm not comparing John Kennedy to some of the Celts who have remained in the past, but I do recall that uh, Kenny Dalglish brought Tommy Burns back to the club. Yeah when Dalglish was in charge and obviously that was pivotal Martin O'Neill spoke about Tommy Burns and said it was pivotal to to being able to have that kind of transition from here I'm inheriting a squad of players that I know little about but Tommy Burns was able to fill them in uh, not just about the ability but also the personality of each of the individuals um, they can identify any of the kind of bad eggs that were there and I think that uh, perhaps that's what happened um, following the Ronnie Daly era um, and again you know, having spoken uh, positively about John Kennedy after his press conference, J- JP, you know, I, I wasn't talking positively in terms of his coaching. I was saying, you know, the, the fact that he took time to actually engage with the fans. So on the one hand, I'm criticising the club for not engaging with us. Then the guy takes an hour out of his, out his day to engage with a Celtic state of mind and others. So I can't criticise that. But that doesn't make him a great manager. It doesn't make him a great coach. But as Dex says, you know, I do always like that um, that transitional period at Celtic whereby we have a kind of boot room mentality. But I've seen a lot of comments recently saying it's a jobs for the boys mentality rather than, you know, that boot room, that succession planning. Well, that that's what I was just going to say. So you asked, I think you asked uh, Natasha and, and Lawrence um, if they could have a question that they would pose to uh, Peter Lowell if it was to if there was to be a similar fan style or um, sort of uh, podcast led uh, press conference. What would you ask Peter Lowell? And I would ask Peter Lowell, why is it that Neil? Why is it that certain coaches are kept on the books and then? Mm paired up with incoming managers why why do you not give full autonomy to to managers coming in or or you do with some and you don't with others you know what what what's the difference because that i mean i'd I'd really like to know what you'd say to that because 
uh, it would be interesting. And with regards to that, uh, the, the fan, uh, the fan conference, or the, uh, the social media conference that Kennedy and uh, Turnbull did, it, that can't just be a, a once in a blue moon thing. It's got to be, you know, a regular thing now. You know. It, I I was a bit sort of you know the Black Lives Matter uh, knee, taking the knee thing. I was just like, are they, are they not sort of diluting this now by continuing to do it? And then I was like, wait a minute, no, they're not. By continuing to do it, it's hammering home, you know, racism has got no part to play in in football, mm-hmm. and, and you know that that's what it is. And then I totally I totally see why they're continuing to do it. So not that I'm comparing the two scenarios, but you can't only do something once. And then it and then it just disappears. You know, you've got to keep doing it uh, for consistency and to, to to gain results. Yeah, reinforce that uh, yeah. and and continue to build that relationship. And the big thing is, obviously, what is key, uh, Declan? And you'll learn this in your journalistic career because you're at the kind of early stages of that at the moment. What is key is to strike that balance. So you want to be as honest and open as possible in your views. Uh, but you also want to have a level of access which allows you um, to pose some of these questions that you know through platforms like this Celtic fans are asking. I mean, I'll go through these these comments today and, and some of the queries that are raised uh, shapes your thinking. You know, So then you can go to John Kennedy or whoever is in charge and actually pose that question. And I think the balance that you need to have is you don't turn into uh, a sycophant in terms of you then become basically um, you know, a tool for the club. So it's almost a tick box exercise. But from what I'm hearing so far, that's not the intention. There has to be guidelines. There has to obviously be a limit to how far you can push certain subjects. And I, I totally understand that. But they don't want us to spread a sp- specific message you know it's not as though we are now on that memo mailing list that uh, put this out this is a good news this is it that doesn't happen so i think that it will be key in the future but it'll also give people like yourself and people like amy canavan who is another important contributor to a celtic state of mind i think you know experience that that you can take forward in your journalistic career your media career No, 100% agree with you, Paul. Um, I think Celtic fan media has proven in the past year where we've been in a pandemic that there's a lot of good outlets out there, including ourselves. There's a lot of vibrant, younger people like myself and Amy in this channel. Um, that it's a great opportunity to go and do that. You know, I've been fortunate through yourself, uh, Jim McAllog, through his stuff, to, to be at press releases and talk to former players. And it's always a great opportunity. It's good for the CV. And it's a club helping out fans that are maybe looking at that direction of employment, you know, so it's a lot more than that. And as you say, it's not, we hope it's not going to be, it's not the case of, you know, go and spread the good news of the gospel, guys. Go in there, challenge them. If it's good questions or frank questions, ask them. They want propaganda. They want real fans' views getting out there and then being able to put them out on their their platforms. I think that's a, a positive thing, you know. Scottish newspapers don't print as many newspapers as they once did. They're not mm. as big nowadays. Media has is changing and has changed, you know. Um, more people get their news through their phone now um, from uh, apart out with newspapers. So it's time to take that step forward and I think uh, including fans in that step forward is the right thing to do. No, you're right. Now, as I said before, loads of comments come through on a daily basis on Axom, and I'm always keen to get through as many of them as we possibly can. JP, I'll come back to your AC Milan tracksuit top in a few moments. OB Boy, you're commenting on YouTube. Just a reminder, if you are viewing Axom on YouTube, 
get subscribing to the page. We're growing it at uh, quite an alarming rate. And that, that is one of the reasons, actually, why um, I am on the bulletin twice a week rather than five times a week. Also, I want to give you a rest from my dulcet tones. Um, but it's allowing me to develop some of the other content. For example, Declan, we've spoken about Amy. Amy's got her own show where she interviews people from the world of football. Um, and it's gone down a storm so far. And... You know, long may that continue. So get subscribing to the YouTube channel if you're not doing so already, OB boy. It would be a disgrace, he says, if the derby is cancelled. Um, and Malone Kenny once says, absolute pollution. I'm not sure if you're talking about our output today uh, or you could maybe clarify that, Malone Kenny. <laughs> um, and OB boy goes on to say the cops have to do their job. Stephen T, where is this talk coming from? There's no way they'll postpone it. Just need to block off streets around Celtic Park the way they have done recently. The question was asked online, JP, from one of the Police Federation guys, um, you know, and I thought it was a bit pompous, to be honest. Really? Where, where he was like, how would you do it? You know, how would you police it? Um, you know. Yeah, I can't believe that was a real thing. Again, I know. just like I had to check the Celtic Twitter, I had to check to, to see that that wasn't a, a fake account because I mm. thought there's no way someone in a position of authority has done this. That's absolute, you know, high school stuff. You know what I mean? Absolute high it school. Is. It is. And, and it's pretty obvious how you police these things or manage any situation like that. You do it in a proactive way, so it's intelligence led. So they, like going back to what OB Boy says, they, if the cops do their job uh, and they tap into the intelligence streams that they work on day in, day out, they can know what the plans are in advance of the thing materialising. Now, the, with regards to that, you know, the Scottish police have a, a full intelligence um, department, you know, and each of the forces used to have an individual intelligence department for football. There was intellig football intelligence officers. Uh, we all know about Focus and how that developed uh, with Police Scotland. So these people apparently should know who the, the risk fans are, Declan. I don't think you appear on any of the intelligence documents yet, Dec. But who the risk fans are, who the risk groups are, um, and then they use their intelligence methods and procedures to try and find out what's going to happen and that that's not just restricted to football that's restricted to any kind of disorder you know be that a festival when Tina Park used to exist it was all intelligence led wasn't it so I thought it was it was it was really crass I thought it was totally unprofessional and it's pretty obvious what the answer is it's proactive and it's intelligence led yeah and planning as well Paul I think if you if you look at what happened on Saturday especially, you know, the, the front facade of Ibrooks is it's quite an easy area to block off at each corner of Edmondson Drive. It's not hard to put up big shields or, or put vans across the road. I mean, they're quick enough to do it whenever we used to be in the Broomlin and, and police up, you know, be bodies on the ground. Whereas on Saturday, it was just as if it was a free-for-all. And then again on Sunday, the biggest square in Glasgow, right in the middle of town, where are fans going to go? Hmm, I wonder... You know, just it's a case of planning, thinking where where can people go. So, again, going back to the game in the the twenty first. Not that I'm going to compare a, a, a Glasgow derby to a American inauguration ceremony, but what the, the Washington cops did was just completely the whole area around uh, Capitol Hill block it off, which is easy enough for Police Scotland to do. Block off within whatever it is radius of Celtic Park. Don't let anyone near the ground, and the game can proceed. I don't see any problem in doing that. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously they can implement uh, temporary uh, regulations in certain areas uh, yes. to ensure that they can uh, approach people, search people, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, under normal circumstances, I'd be dead against that, you know, because I just think that uh, fans, football fans are criminalised anyway. But if you want to put a stop to it or on that particular game to make sure the game goes ahead, just police it properly. You know, it's simple as that. Just please the thing properly. Before we move on, um, because I'm not finished with the derby just yet, JP, uh, that tracksuit top was brought up the other week. What's the story behind that? And that, that's a genuine star above the European Cup, isn't it? It is, actually. F- funny that Funny that, that real stars e- exist above the European Cups and uh, other things. But, uh, yeah, Milan, uh, it was because Russell was wearing a... Russell took a quite a a sultry selfie of himself wearing a wearing an Adidas tracksuit top and uh, and then I, I said oh, I'll need to dig mine out. So yeah, Milan ugh, people slag me on this probably for saying that I, I don't support Milan. I'm not a Milan aficionado. I just like AC Milan. I liked them when I was a wee boy and I watched Gazette Football Italia from Baston uh oh, yeah. Rika, Jean Pierre Papin. Mm-hmm. You know, unbelievable team. And uh, and I eventually got to go and see them first time in 2000, I saw them beat Udinese at home. Uh, I was living in Nice and I went along the road uh, with some German guys to watch the game. And uh, True story, I just remembered this earlier on. As I was going up the steps to go into the stand, we were in the stand behind the goals with the net and all the fireworks and everything. It was unbelievable. And uh, I think Shevchenko scored and so did uh, Leonardo, I think, as well. But there was a guy lying, steaming at the bottom of the steps as you go up into the stand, right? And he was, like, you know, tanned Italian guy, quite, quite sort of maybe, I don't know, 30s, 40s, and he had the Celtic people's away strip on, skin tight, right? Skin tight in, in the San Siro, and he had it on him. I don't know if he'd just, like... Is that where you got your top, JP? Is this where the story's going? <laughs> I went up to him, I had an AC Milan strip on, I went up to him on the floor, and I was like, I was like, I am Celtic supporter. I am from Glasgow. And he was just like, ah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've never forgotten that. Day. Like Of all the strips to be wearing, he was wearing that strip. It was so, so surreal. And I wish I'd taken a picture of him. You, you know how um, entrenched I became in the Celtic jerseys, obviously doing the research and all that stuff. Uh, the people's Fords. Uh- this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It was obviously on the jerseys for one season, and um, the gentleman who ran and runs that company is Brian Gilder, a big Celtic fan, and he sponsored the billboards for years and years. You used to see it, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was Terry Cassidy that gave him the opportunity to sponsor the club for, for one season. And he tells these wee strange stories, JP, even to this day, where one of the jerseys will pop up somewhere if they're on holiday, um, and it really just fills him with, with absolute pride that his <laughs> company name that he's built up was on the Celtic jersey 
Jersey. But interestingly enough, the big I remember the big hoo-ha being, you know, the fact that we allowed red, white, and blue on the front of this, the the hoops or any Celtic jersey. Uh, and then some people pointed out, yeah, the first Celtic jersey had red in it because it was in the crest. Um, but it, it was absolutely unforgivable to allow red, white, and blue on the jersey. And I did ask Brian about that, and and he said that uh, it was Terry Cassidy. He didn't care. Because Ford would have had an issue with their logo appearing anywhere if it was maybe black, silver, green, for example. They wouldn't allowed us to use that on the jersey. So Cassie just allowed them to use it red, white and blue. Wasn't interested. Um, so it just shows you the disconnect that we had back then, JP, you know, harking back to the 1990s. That disconnect that the club had with the fans, they just didn't understand that that would be an issue. Um, AC Milan, the great names that you mentioned, you mentioned Shevchenko there. His name's popped up in relation to the Celtic manager's job, hasn't it? Oh, I mean, I don't know what his managerial history record is, but uh, if, <laughs> if Andrei Shevchenko became the Celtic manager that Wow, that would be something else. It would be football full circle, you know. Uh, that's 20 years ago I was at that, well, 21 years ago I was at that game in the San Siro. Um, and they had to win to uh, get their Champions League spot and they, they won 4-1. Uh, so the, play, the place was going bananas. It was, it, was, it was class. It was only seven quid for a ticket. I got a ticket outside the ground for seven quid. Brilliant. I mean, Shevchenko, bizarrely enough, I might have told this story, a pal of mine who I came up through primary school with actually played against them. Bizarrely enough, because he played with Barry Town, my mate. He was with Swindon, he went to Barry Town on loan, and they drew Dynamo Kiev in Europe because it was a European Cup Winners' Cup back then, yeah. and it was 9 0 in Kiev. 9 0 in Kiev, and um, the up front for Kiev that night was Rebrov and Shevchenko. Oh, and my- that, was the, that was the two up front together Rebrov and Shevchenko, Championship Manager, Glory Days. Both uh, managers now. Uh, Both yeah. managers. Rebrov put us out of Europe this season, did he not? Yeah, was he yeah. not the manager of Ferenc Faros? Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about this. Moving swiftly on. So let's go back to this Glasgow derby then. I mean, I don't think there will ever be a moment in the future where anyone can say football and politics doesn't mix because it quite clearly does. Uh, and uh, political figures are coming in with their size nines to influence uh, the Scottish game uh, once again. It seems to be that it's happened time and time again. And, you know, the measures that there are possibly talking about is they are going to be communicating with Celtic and Rangers about the Glasgow Derby and they require assurances from the clubs. They require assurances from the clubs. So I guess that goes back, Declan, to the fact that, you know, the police need to deal with this. I mean, I'm not the type of person, JP, that's going to go to Celtic Park um, on that particular day to for any reason, to be honest with you, but there may well be people who... Um, will turn up from both sides. I don't know. I don't know what the planning is. But um, with regards to that, obviously, you know, the, the club could put out a message. The club could put out a statement. But I don't really think we've got much in the way of any kind of influence over what people decide to do on the day. It's a difficult one. If it is, if it is postponed, though, this is a big question, Declan, what happens? I mean, if it is postponed, what happens? Well, there's too many big events going to be coming up in the, the following months, Paul. You know, we've got this Glasgow Derby, there's going to be another one at Ibrox Park, there's going to be a Scottish Cup final, whoever is in that. So it's three big events, as well as that, you're going to have the team on the other side of the city lifting the league championship. So it's four big events. Mm. So uh, if the police can't do their job in this instance, it must be a case of all four of them get put off because, 
you know, we're at a critical juncture here with COVID. Um, if public health is the, the main priority, then it just can't proceed. So if the police can't do their job, I think it's a case of games of bogey because why should this be called off and other ones know it? So I don't really see where we move from here. And what, what's going to do... What, is there going to be any point in calling it off? Because it's just going to be repeated. The thinking it's going to be just going to calm down a bit. When is that going to be put into fiction or whatever? It just seems like a total mess. Yeah, it does. And don't you think, JP, that Celtic would feel hard done by? Because yeah. we'd be in, implicated in someone else's misdemeanours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, we didn't... I know that the, the protests, uh, you know, however many people were there... I don't know if it was a couple hundred. I, I, I still don't know to this day how many people were outside uh, after the Ross County game. Maybe do, you, do either of you two know, like roughly how many were there? It wasn't. It wasn't thousands. Certainly, thousands. Certainly was not the numbers like we saw at the weekend. No, no. certainly not. No. It wasn't. It was a. It was a. It was a microcosm of our support when you take into account the bigger, the bigger picture and the bigger amount of our support that uh, are there. So, yeah, that that incident, I don't think. It really correlates with what we saw at the weekend. What you saw at the weekend was uh, pent up uh, excitement. They wanted somewhere to go. They had nowhere to go, and they just—I mean—they just on autopilot just went to a place that had, somebody obviously said, "Right, we're all meeting in George Square," and they just went there. But it ended up to me, it didn't look like a celebration. It just looked like people sort of just being in a place for the sake of it. There was nothing really that could happen. There was no live music. There was no music at all. It was just it was just like a sort of gathering and then everybody just went away, you know, and the place was a, an absolute wreck as a result. You know, if this game is to go ahead, I think there needs to be strong statements from, from both clubs to discourage people from going. I think the fans have got a big part to play as well to sort of... Uh, push down, you know, th- this idea that going there is a good idea because it's absolutely not, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, people got to remember what the hell is going on here. We can't go and meet up with our friends. We can't go and, you know, see our families. Um, so why why should it be okay to congregate at a football match at which you can't even get into the ground? It just seems completely bizarre. I mean, there's nothing to... There's nothing to defend here, you know. I mean, we're, we're not we're not in you know Braveheart or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's a football match that's going on inside the ground. Yes, it's against the two teams at the top of the league. Yes, it's against the team that's won the league. But you know, we'll we'll get back in the stadium at some point, and that's that's when we can release whatever we want to release. But you know, this idea of going to the ground for me, it just needs to be absolutely hit in the head because it's it's a, it's a non it's a non-starter for me. No, I totally agree with that, JP. You're talking about getting back into the grounds. Uh, that leads me on to the next subject. I'll come to yourself first, Declan, uh, around the, the statement that was released by the Celtic Trust who were suggesting that uh, they might launch a share issue for season ticket refunds, uh, which will ensure ordinary fans have a greater say in the running of the club. Um, and, I, and I kind of pointed out yesterday that you know there is no refund this season. The, the, the virtual season ticket... There is no refund, you know, 
So it certainly can't be done in conjunction with a refund. Um, it may, do you think, be worked into this added value? Do you think that that is a potential? And if so, do you think it would be a good move um, in relation to um, the club getting more control? And uh, obviously various clubs all around uh, Europe have got fan representatives on the board. Uh, is that something that you think will happen um, in the not-too-distant future for Celtic? Is this the way to go about it? I think it's good that the other clubs in the, the in Europe and stuff have got fans on the board. I think it's an important part to have as a modern day football club, and I would like to see it. Um, whether this share issue is going to be the right way to do that, I don't know. I've not really read too much into it, um, but it's certainly, you know, it's a Celtic Trust coming up with an idea and their support having a look at it. That's productive, you know. You need to be productive. Um, again, no. If you look at a guy like Tom Allison on Celtic's board who owns I think something in the region of 3% of the club obviously having another share issue would dilute his uh, percentage same goes for Dermot Desmond the other guys at the top up there John Keynes Chris Trainers etc so I don't think the guys uh, on the board would be too keen on it but you know for, for some fans who would maybe like to have that wee bit of ownership of the club it's certainly a good idea but Again, it's just a case of seeing how it proceeds. But as I say, I don't think the guys at the, the very top of Celtic Sport would be too uh, too pleased to see that happen because it would ultimately dilute their their holding, um, which isn't a bad thing from our perspective. But from theirs, don't think they would be too keen on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I read the statement, JP, around... Uh, the statement was made by the chairman of the Trust, David Lowe, who's been on Axon quite a few times, uh, talking back to the original vision that Fergus McCann had for the club when he took over in relation to exactly what Declan's saying there. No real individual would have control of the club over the period of time since Fergus McCann left. Gradually, that is exactly what's happened, where we do have people who are controlling the club. Um, do you see a time where that might change? I mean, could it be that uh, during the, the pandemic and the financial crisis that is going to continue for some time um, after we get back to some kind of normality? Uh, do you see a club like Celtic where you know we always pride ourselves on having the, this special fan base? Um, and the club itself calls it itself a club like no other although that may be getting changed to one club since 1888 I don't know if that's <laughs> going to be the new um, kind of tagline do you think it would make sense I mean I, I think you know it would be fantastic for, for the fans to have representation on the board uh, yeah it would be uh, undoubtedly yeah I think uh, I think that is what happens at St Pauli um, I'm pretty sure in that documentary I'm sure that they were talking about um, fan representation and being involved in decision making and things like that. You know, I'm not saying we go in and our voice is the only voice, but to have a voice in the mm. in the in that in that arena would be good. Um, and with regards to the, <laughs> whether the slogan's going to change, I think Adidas will be watching and taking notes on that because uh, uh, <laughs> they could probably seize upon quite a a good opportunity there for merch. But well, that's that's a fair. If people are going to buy the merch, that is, of course, but that's another story. But um, with regards to what they do with my money, say they, obviously I paid £600 this season for a season ticket, of which I'm not going to see one game. Um, and whatever they decide to do, I, I would rather that they try to keep that money and then use it to discount me going forward. I, I, I'm not expecting to get you know £300 back in my account um, I would rather that it was used over a period of time where it was kind of almost paid back to me over a, over a period of time 
and uh, in, in whatever manner they choose to do, I don't know. They must be coming up with something because they can't. They can't just finish the season and go right. Cheers, thanks for that six hundred quid, everybody. Uh, now moving on, <laughs> it's like that. That can't be the case because there's no way you can say we've paid six hundred pounds and we've had value for money as a customer first and foremost before you talk about a supporter. I think the club would need to agree with that, JP. I mean, there's no way they could put an argument up to say that you've had the value. Uh, so, you know, the added value, it'll be interesting to see how they try and build that and how they market it to the, the fan base. And that does take us to that point. Again, Declan, we were talking about, you know, the time is coming to um, a point where we will be asked again uh, to renew season tickets for next season. Nobody knows exactly when we will be back in a football ground and, you know, you would envisage that at some point next season that will happen, Declan, you know. Um, however, I've heard a lot of p- uh, people saying, touching on a point that JP mentioned there and brought up uh, about merch sales, about season ticket sales, keeping money back from the club. I don't think um, that that is the way to go. I think that, you know, since these comments were made, Big changes have happened. They've not all happened at once. I don't think that's possible. Um, are we moving further away from that kind of attitude? I I'm not saying everybody had that attitude but in relation to not investing their money directly in the club because, I mean, that would just damage the club, would it not? Yeah, it would damage the club, Paul. Um, you know, I, I wasn't one of the people that at Christmas wouldn't go and shop in the Celtic shop because inevitably, you know, you buy stuff or whoever. Um and I think, again, if Celtic appoint the right candidate in the manager's role, people will buy into it. They'll buy their season ticket. They'll, they'll buy the new Adidas top or whatever. Um, but certainly what the previous point we were talking about, you know, there's no way we can still move forward with everybody being happy um, because the club needs to move forward in a positive manner. The only way that's going to work is if the fans are behind it. But at the same time, the club need to be engaging and treating fans properly. And I think that's what everybody just really wants, is to be treated yeah. properly. Whereas this season, we've not been treated properly. And that's evident to see from anybody who's got a season ticket, who's been accessing a scene that at times isn't reliable. And as, as JP says, you know, £600, they're going to need to look at what the, the whole role of added value is. Um which I think is something that John Paul Taylor has been looking at for a long time now and the club's not acted on. So there's certainly... I think it's there. They know that it's on the table, but they're going to act on it because people, you know, you can't expect people to next season to fork out that kind of money again and not be getting to a game. Oh, I hope we're back in the stadiums, but you don't know the situation, so you really need to have planning in place for that. When we do go back, um, we, I think, will be managed by a different managerial team. JP, it's still a massive talking point. Of course it is. Um, We've seen all the names that have been thrown into the hat. Steve Martin, radical change, needed top manager required to get bums on seats and the players a kick up the backside. And I think we've probably spoken about all the different possibilities, JP, on a Celtic state of mind in relation to the managerial candidates. Not every individual, but... The directions, the different directions that the the club could take. You know, they could stay with what they have. They could go and get a manager of a particular level. And I think Kevin Graham spoke about, you know, Jack Ross, uh, for example. Or they could go for this top manager that Steve Martin's talking about. Or indeed, they could go for the director of football, stroke head coach, uh, Harkin Maresca, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, JP. There's there's obviously developments constantly happening in the world of uh, management. Read with interest uh, a tweet that went out this morning from um, the Sky Sports reporter who, uh, when when Anthony Joseph 
tweets, you, you'd certainly take notice of it. I think he's you know, very credible source. Talking about Ralph Ranić, who might be interested in the soon-to-be-available Germany job. And that, that's a big concern for me, is that um, the best, the crop of any shortlist JP are going to be romanced very, very soon by various nations or clubs down south or elsewhere um, who are acting swiftly and getting their man in. Is that a big concern for you? Do you think we've already got something in the backgrounds? I mean, um, I think some people were surprised at uh, the announcement when Peter Lowell stood down, stepped down or announced that he was going to. Um, is it something that is getting to that concerning stage for you, JP? Or do you believe the club have got this under control and um, all will come to fruition come the summer? Uh, well, first of all, Steve Martin, great in every film he made, I might add, uh, <laughs> and continues to make, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I think with regards to that that statement the other day, you know, uh, what was it? There's one, I think it was 20 Minute Tim's, uh, their their uh, title of one of their recent po- uh, posts was You Better Not Stumble. And that goes along with, if you're going to put out a tweet like that, that galvanises the support and really as a kind of, you know, a fist in the air, so to speak, then you better have something to back it up. Because, yeah. you know, you can't come, you know, you can't come to the party with, you know, alcohol-free beer, you know, <laughs> it's got to be... Uh, it's got to be something stronger than that. So, um, that's Kevin Graham. Thank you. <laughs> that was a total Kevin Graham analogy there, um, without the accent. But um, I, I think, I think you know, they've, they've surely got to be they have some be sitting on something, you know. And I, I have swayed between do I want this big name manager, you know, with the status and the whole, you know, would, would he fill a stand if we were to unveil him and all of that. I've flirted with that idea, and uh, but I, I do keep going back to, you know, a progressive coach from a from a top club, and if it were to be Enzo Maresca, he's coming from Manchester City. He's not coming from you know Bradford City. You know, no disrespect to Bradford City. Um, got a lot of time for them. My dad supported them, um, but I was just using it as a as a comparison. If you're going for a guy from a club of that size, there is something about that guy. It may not fill a stand if he's unveiled. I don't particularly care about that because look where that ultimately got us <laughs> a couple of years later. You know, the guy ran out the back door and yeah. didn't see anybody. So, you know, I, I want somebody to come in, have an idea what they're going to do, implement their strategy across the whole club and uh, go about, you know, uh, getting us winning football games again in, in, the, park, in the park. See, it's an interesting one uh, because you're absolutely right. You know, it's very much a short-term enjoyment when you get that unveiling JP you get the box office manager and the box office smile from Brennan Rogers but you know you just know that it's a short term thing it's going to be two and a half to three years until someone from down south uh, comes calling Declan McConville where are you in relation to the approach that Celtic take in terms of the managerial setup? I think initially Paul when myself you and, and Tony Haggerty were on the, the morning Neil Lennon, Lennon resigned um, I was of the position it had to be, you know, an elite manager. But the more I've kind of thought about it, in terms of Celtic's budget, the way we need to go forward, you know, we've already in Bankier's statement on, on looking at European football in the next, you know, not too long future. Um, I can end the same camp as, as JP in terms of it needs to be a manager who will develop players and that might not be that box office that's going to be there for a while because we can't just have a stopgap. You know, Celtic need to progress and 
I don't think if you maybe brought in a guy like Eddie Howe who would be great that he's going to be there for a very long time he'll be here two, three years and he'll be back out the door so I'm kind of more in the camp just now of bringing somebody who can develop players that can work the market well um, and can work within you know not a small budget but a budget that isn't going to be the type that, that Brendan Rodgers was certainly offered first time around You know I'm going to bring this up because I've seen this all over social media Number one in your avatar is that how many titles you've won, Grim? Are you saying that Celtic fans would have not gone to Geo Square to celebrate ten in a row? Let's just deal with the facts. Let's deal with what's happened. Let's not say I but you know, if you had done this, this would have happened, you know. This is what I'm talking about. Celtic cannot be implicated in the actions and misdemeanours of another fan base. And that's exactly what's happening at this moment in time in relation to, you know, going right back to that same old um, tact of, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're basically as, as bad as each other. JP, we, we have not contributed to the scenes over um, the weekend other than we weren't very good this season allowing that club mm. to win the league you know so I, I'm just not buying that it doesn't stand up to scrutiny in any way shape or form now by the way I'm not just here to give Lenny a bashing but he was being criticised this week by Sheffield Wednesday it seems like everybody's having a dig at Neil Lennon and that was over the transfer of Liam Shaw which has eventually been confirmed um, what was your thoughts on that JP basically Sheffield Wednesday are even considering uh, talking to their legal team over this well it's good to know that Neil Lennon was in, at least involved in the transfer activity rather than it being Peter Lawwell or Nicky Hammond and <laughs> Lennon finding out about it when the guy turned up at training or something like that but uh, you know I, I find it bizarre that it's it's not really like Celtic to conduct their transfer business like that in terms of you know mm. I think it would all be above board I, I don't recall ever really seeing any other clubs coming out and having a pop at us for the way that we've handled things or or, or haven't, you know, they didn't really have a pop at the player because how could they, he's, he's, you know, he's still a serving player. It would you know, damage their their own uh, footballing ambitions if they were to start calling out a, a player that they've still got in their books. But um, yeah, it seemed a bit strange. Uh, I, I've certainly not, and not in recent memory, remember anything like that. No doubt somebody in the comments will come up and be like, oh, but what about this? What about that? But, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Just on that guy's point about would Celtic fans have gone to celebrate 10 in a row, I think we won a historic nine in a row for the second time, uh, you know, and there was no scenes like that. The, you know, there was maybe a couple of people with flags on, on, a, on a walkway uh, here and there, but there was no mass congregation. There was no flouting of the rules. And, you know, that was a big deal. <laughs> that was a big deal last year, and it was in com- completely and utterly ruined for me by that. You know, I, I took enjoyment from it, but sitting here on my own with a bottle of champagne is not where I wanted to celebrate. If I ever saw Celtic win a nine in a row, which in the 90s was an absolute pipe dream, mm-hmm. um, I certainly would rather not have been sitting alone in my flat, but I did it because I obeyed the rules and I have a brain in my head. Um, but apparently quite a lot of people don't have that, so... I know what Declan was doing because I zoomed him into an Axom special and he was sitting in his bedroom drinking beer on his own. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's a great point. And even if you just go back to December, JP, go back yeah. to December, you know, called yeah. Triple Treble and how, yeah. how did we uh, conduct ourselves at that point? It really is, it is time, you know, people say it's, it's long 
uh, overdue but it is certainly an opportunity I would suggest for Celtic to um, pin their, their colours to the mast as it were in relation to that um, and we do stand alone we stand alone we're not part of this uh, mythical old firm alliance that uh, people you know just used to hit you over the back of the head with every time somebody else misbehaves so no I'm not buying it and I, and I don't think Celtic fans should ever buy into that or accept it and it needs to be called out time and time again uh, we've had a dreadful season you know there's been so much wrong with this season we've criticised the clubs and changes are being made but it's still a, a club that we're going to support uh, next season and, and seasons beyond that Declan I was talking a few weeks ago it'll be my wee man's first season ticket regardless of what happens next season and you know then you're passing that baton on and you move you move on again to another generation and that's the way that this club conducts itself not the way that um, any other club conducts themselves so JP I take that on board and I, I would even bring it right back up to December and how did we celebrate December I was sitting here when we won a quadruple treble and um, you know and, I, and then I went home and you know if someone wants to show me scenes similar to that that happened in December you know bring it, bring it on because I can't remember it so I don't know how Celtic could be um, criticised or punished for someone else's misbehaviour um, let's have a wee chat about that game before we go though Declan because obviously you know, we watched the, the Dundee United game and um, as I said earlier on, yeah, I mean, as I said earlier on, you're watching it, it was same old, same old, a lot of the issues that we've seen on the on the park all season uh, re-emerged. I mean, should we have expected any more? It's the same coaching staff, it's the same players. Uh, we've spoken about culture, we've spoken about this malaise uh, in amongst the Celtic squad, uh, but they're taking something special for that to have changed overnight or within a couple of weeks there are concerns about the fitness, the tempo just drops, uh, you know, 65th minute of the game, we've seen all that uh, the, the bizarre substitutions we've seen all this all season but there was this realisation at some point, maybe even at half time this isn't going to happen um, we're going to lose the league today and it was when I jumped in the motor on the Monday where I'm, I'm thinking this is the first time in a decade I'm going to my work in Celtic are not the league champions absolutely the end of an era probably came a wee bit sooner than we expected but when you're looking ahead to the next game against Rangers Declan what are you expecting? are you expecting big changes? I mean the league is gone would you expect us to bring in some of the fringe players? would you expect something that I've suggested that we start playing Barkas Nayeti let's get a look at these guys are they going to be part of the rebuild are they going to be at Celtic Park next season the only way that you can answer that question is by giving them half a dozen games in a row giving them from now to the end of the season how do you see John Kennedy approaching the game against Rangers? In terms of what John Kennedy does I don't think there'll be many changes I mean you know a game that we really needed to show up for pride at Tannadice Three strikers on the bench, and I know Mohamed Elanousis, I think Celtic's second top goal scorer this season. I don't care. He shouldn't be playing as a striker. We would say Edward when it's just not been a partnership that's flourished at all. The, the, the formation that we play is too narrow. You know, you don't get a lot of width in that formation. I would rather see us change shape and kind of go back to something that we're, we're more used to. I know this 4 4, four 2 diamonds been what we've used, but in terms of the Rangers game, I don't think there'd be many changes. Possibly. Uh, Mohamed El Yunusi dropped out the side to, to see um, one of the other strikers come in up top but apart from that I don't think there'd be much change to the side because it just seems to be what we're, we're sticking with and I'm on the side of you Paul I would rather players that are going to be there next season or I've still possibly got a future at the club get a chance just now because it's done 
So why not? You know, there should be no loyalty to guys that, that want out the door. I, you know, if we're going to go in the summer, I don't want them playing just now. Just don't play them. How good they are, unless we really need to play them. Um, you know, if you take the left-back position just now, I know we need to play Diego Laxell, but from now until the end of the season, if Craig Taylor becomes fit again, it should be him because it's going to be the guy we go forward with. What about yourself talking about Diego Laxell, uh, one of a few players who have played for both Celtic and AC Milan. Uh, who else has done that? Massimo Donati? The can- oh well, I was I was not going to mention mm-hmm. him, but that jersey over your shoulder is relevant to that because yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that and I think uh, the canio. Um, what about yourself, JP? I mean, you've got to try and extract as much positives as possible between now and the end of the season. Part of that would be let's assess some of the players you would expect to be with us next season. Uh, we're forced to play like Salt. He's only fit left back. We've got the club. We're forced to play John Joe Kenny because the only other right back we've got the club's Anthony Ralston. And the, and the business has been done. Mm. El Yunusi came back in, Declan. If he's not going to be here next season, why play him? Exactly. I, just, I just wouldn't play him. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my view on it. Uh, I would be playing guys like Barkas and Ayeti, try to build their confidence up, actually really assess them in a game situation. Have a look at Sorrow. He's going to be playing more games next season than Scott Brown, no matter what happens. So play him. You know, because, yeah, there is a professional pride at stake, JP, but it's not as though we're throwing in the kids here. These are guys that have got a lot of experience. Yeah, I, I I would I would be hesitant about sorrow in that game, uh, just purely because how he was in uh, the previous game, and he has a propensity, if that's a word, uh, to be a bit over enthusiastic in his tackles, and not, nothing nasty or malicious, but he just doesn't time them well, and I I, I wouldn't want to see us on a, on another red card tightrope in that game because we get a red card in that game. Uh, that could be extremely damaging to us. I think, uh, you know, depending on how they're playing at the time. Um, and I hope this clip isn't <laughs> used as another uh, thing to haunt me because I remember I predicted the Beaton's misdemeanour in that game at Ibrox almost exactly as well. I said if they were, if they uh-huh. were, uh, uh, you know, uh, up in the game in terms of like their attacks and whatnot, and if we got them in the counter. You know, you need to be wary of somebody like Beaton at centre half. So, I, I think with regards to the to the the players that are going to play in that game, I think, yeah, I'm with Declan. But you know, if Chris Iyer has said that he doesn't want to be at Celtic anymore, I certainly wouldn't be dropping Chris Iyer for that game. You know, because I, we we, we can't do without somebody like him in that game, even if he does want to leave. He's not like you've said many times, Paul. He's never he's never put in a performance that suggested that he's got his head out the, half out the door because he, he does give everything and mm. I'll, I'll repeatedly say it that he is a top top player in waiting uh, in terms of playing at a higher level and will play at a higher level and anybody that wants to comment Celtic Rangers or otherwise that says different well I disagree with you respectfully um, but yeah I think in regards to the team I, I just think John Kennedy has to look everybody in the eye and you know be able to know that he's going to get 100% from everybody that plays in that in that game, whether it's Barkas or Bain, whether it's Ayeti or Griffiths, you know everybody knows that they've let us down, they, they owe us a performance they yeah. owe us big time you know, um, I know you could say well they don't owe us anything because we've not been there uh, all season and there's maybe an argument for that and uh, you know, m- maybe Maybe those scenes after Ross County has damaged some of them in a way. You know, uh, apparently they were all shocked that you know 
a few wee guys running after their bus or, you know, chucking things or whatever or picking up a fence. That doesn't reflect the whole Celtic support. Those wee guys there that night don't reflect me. I wasn't there and they don't speak for me. Um, so uh, if any of them are watching this, uh, play for people like us and not them. Well, on that on that note, I'll bring up one final comment from Omar Alrida. Welcome to the show, Omar. Paul John Dykes, don't you remember the two protests? Let's have a wee chat then, Omar. And this will be the final point of today about protests because Celtic fans historically are very good at protesting. But I mean, we were so good at it in the 90s that we saved our club. That's how good we are at protesting. Now, the ones that JP mentioned, uh, the knee jerk reaction protest after the Ross County game, JP, where Harris Fencing was thrown, etc., uh, was right, rightly condemned uh, by podcasts like this and elsewhere but it has absolutely no bearing in the upcoming Celtic versus Rangers game. Uh, the big issue the second protest I think that you're, you're talking about Omar was the Covid friendly organised protest by the Celtic Trust um, where everybody that, that gathered there as I say uh, followed Covid protocols so you know there's absolutely no argument that anything was done on that particular day that would affect any football match but uh, rioting in the streets and, and breaking uh, furniture and uh, at the public's cost again uh, at the taxpayers cost um, on the eve if you like of a Celtic Rangers game is slightly different so yeah I do remember the protest you're referring to but I go even further back to some other protests that Celtic fans um, did do successfully because as I say, JP you'll remember them, we were very good at protesting when we saved our club back in the 1990s um, I don't think there will be an issue in relation to Celtic supporters on that given day, we've played Rangers since our protest against Ross County and as far as I'm aware, no Celtic fans turned up at Ibrox, so you know I don't expect any of our fans to turn up at Celtic Park, um, but between now and that game I'm sure there will be loads of other developments. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your comments on A Celtic State of Mind. Thank you to JP and Declan McConville for joining us once again on the Axon Bulletin. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. 
not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.